0: Yeah. And welcome into another episode of The Damn Podcast, powered by BeaverBlitz.com, Oregon State's affiliate for the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm with Angie Machado here, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, as always. And Angie, this is the first of many weekly episodes we're going to run throughout fall camp and into and throughout Oregon State's football, regular and hopefully postseason. So uh, if, if you're listening with us today, if you're if you're watching live on on YouTube, uh, get ready, buckle up, because we're gonna do this every week for the next five months or so. Uh, Sundays first, with Angie and Carter. Yes. Before we hop in, Angie, I gotta ask you how your summer was, because as we're gonna talk about here in just a few minutes, it's technically fall now that football's back, kind of. Even though it's kind of. August seventh,
1: and it's a hundred degrees on my patio right now, or ninety-four. Uh, summer was good. I mean, it always goes too fast. I love summers though in the Northwest; it can't be beat. And uh, but you. I, I know I say it all the time, but fall camp is probably my favorite time of, of the whole season. So um, we've started. And uh, how about you, Carter? You you got a fun little trip in there right before uh, we started.
0: Yeah, it was kind of bittersweet for July to come to an end because July is that one month of the year where there are no sports and we can kind of go at our own pace and, and make our own schedules, work from home, all that stuff. But I know that August means fall camp. And so when the calendar flipped, I was like, all right, here we go ready to go. Let's do this thing. Fall camps, as you mentioned, one of the best times of the year for media. Um, but yeah, I had a, a pretty relaxing July. Uh, last couple of weeks, I actually went out to the East Coast for for two full weeks, spent some time in Boston, New York, uh, checked out pretty much all of New England. So that was a blast, uh, a, a good kind of final hurrah on summer before we we got going with football, what, five days ago now?
1: Yeah, Wednesday. You and I made the the pilgrimage to Corvallis.
0: Yep. We decided we're calling it a pilgrimage, not a commute. Uh, maybe that that softens the blow of having to drive an hour and a half from Sherwood down to Corvallis every other day.
1: Yes. Yes. So pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage.
0: Yep. So as as I mentioned, we're going to be back on our Sunday schedule. Uh, we don't have like a set time every Sunday, but I would imagine Angie, uh, we'll probably try to go in the evenings around this time 5 p.m pacific uh just i think it's a good time for for us and once we're in the middle of the season we have so much game recap stuff that we like to do throughout the day on sunday before we record so that everything's top of mind so
1: exactly tentatively plan
0: on on us going live around 5 p.m every week
1: we'll be here every week hopefully talking a lot of wins and uh you know we're starting the season i don't know carter if we're quite ready to you know Go out of my limb that I picked the to pick the finish third in the Pac twelve, but uh, yeah, I, I start some, talking some football because I know that's why everybody's tuning in.
0: Yep, Richard Bond in the uh, in the YouTube chat says he's excited for the new season. We are too. We're excited for fall camp. So let's jump in. We've got a full show today talking the first four practices of fall camp. Uh, we're on day five now of the the seven day NCAA. Uh, acclimatization period they don't call it the acclimation period they add a couple of a couple of more letters in there it's the acclimatization period
1: oh i, I just keep calling it the acclimation period so
0: it's I, it's easier it rolls off the tongue yeah a yeah,
1: yeah so they're um, just in shells so just helmets and yeah. shoulder pads shorts
0: Yeah. So a little bit of fall camp housekeeping here. I mentioned we're four practices in. There are 17 left before they shut us out for game prep. So uh, we'll get to see 21 practices, which Angie, I I know you and I, we don't take that for granted because you look at the other programs around college football and their media access is like locked down. Um, You go 45 miles south to Eugene and the media gets to watch them stretch and that's about it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm thankful too because you know when the season does start that's kind of what Oregon State gives us we'll we'll get the the stretching period and then some post-practice uh comments so um it's always appreciated to be able to see um what's going on I mean I was down Saturday and it, it it always amazes me how little coverage Oregon State actually gets so um it was myself another member of the media and uh the SID Sean Scheffler were the only media there um on saturday and uh so you guys know where to go when you want the inside scoop it's, it's beaverbliss.com
0: yeah the, you know there were some other media members there throughout the week especially on day one and day two as things kind of start started to get rolling and obviously you know one of one of the things that makes fall camp so fun for us is we get to hang out with our you know our other media friends and you know people from the tv stations and whatnot and in eugene and and all the other areas around corvallis so it's fun to see people be outside in the sun watching football and, um, you know, providing everybody at, at Beaver Blitz with the coverage that they, uh, that they come to us for. So today being Sunday is Oregon state's first off day of camp. Uh, as I mentioned with that seven day ramp up period, uh, you can only practice six times during that period. So today is that off day. The Beavers will return to the field tomorrow on Monday. I'll be down there. And then Tuesday will be the first day of full pads. So that's where stuff starts to get really juicy. The notebook gets a lot fuller. But I I do wanna,
1: well, I just wanted to say today is an off day, but that doesn't mean the team's not doing anything. So this is a day they meet with their trainers. They're meeting, you know, they're doing more cold baths. They're doing therapy. They are meeting with coaches, position groups, more install work. So it's a full day. It's just not on the practice field.
0: Right. Uh, per the acclimatization period, that is a mouthful. NCAA has got to change the wording to acclimation period. Uh, Tuesday will be the first day of full pads, and then there's all sorts of other guidelines throughout camp. It's like I think they can't have more than nine practices at full pads, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, there are you know some stipulations for off days and whatnot, so I believe it's for the first three weeks, I think it's just one off day per week. And then that last week, I think they have two off days. So pretty much we'll, we'll be down there pretty much every day for the next four weeks.
1: But you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm older, but I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we were still doing daily doubles down in, in Corvallis. So um, I I think this is really good for the athletes. Like I said, it's, they're still super busy. It's not like they um, aren't doing anything, but I think it is, especially in this heat, it's, it's just better to take care of their bodies.
0: Yeah, especially, I mean, the last couple of days, it's been 85, 90 plus degrees today. They were lucky they took today off because it's, I mean, it's 100 up here in the Portland area. Um, Angie, you and I were both down there for day one. We're going to, you know, run through our our thoughts and, you know, instant reactions and everything like that in, in just a minute. But you and I were down there for day one. I covered two and three. You went down yesterday for four. And then moving forward, we're going to kind of keep that same format going. So Um, The coverage will be there, it just might be coming from a different source on a given day, but Angie and I, between the two of us, will be there um, pretty much every day uh, taking in practice. Angie, before we get into uh, the main takeaways, the news, noteworthy type stuff from camp, I want you to highlight this really good deal that we have at beaverblitz.com right now, because seriously, this is one of the best deals we've got of the year, Uh, And if you want to read all of our in-depth practice reports and uh, all sorts of coverage from fall camp, you're going to need a VIP subscription. So, Angie, tell them a little bit about that before we get started.
1: Yeah, this is our probably one of our best uh, deals that we we do throughout the year. Fifty percent off an annual subscription. And that is also for upgrades as well. So if you have been in a month to month, this is the time to jump on that annual subscription. It works out to like a dollar three a week so worth it. It's cheaper than your, your Starbucks. Um, Get in there. Like, you know, during some of the preseason stuff, we run some stuff outside the paywall and it gives you a chance to kind of read our stuff. Now that the season is starting, that stuff's going behind the paywall. So you're going to want to be in the lodge. Um, You're going to want to be part of that community and also read everything that Carter and I and Raju and Peter, uh, JP, all of us have to say. So uh, make sure to jump on that. We are about 24 hours away from that expiring and then you're back to paying full price so jump on that as soon as possible.
0: It really is a great deal and the fact that existing members can add on uh So to that their, that's typically what doesn't happen. Is, yeah. yeah. That's that's what makes this really special. So be sure, you know, we we're, we're going to run through all of our thoughts from camp but if you want to get it real time every day, uh take advantage of that deal. But Angie Let's talk about just before we, you know, go real deep, let's talk about some of the the newsworthy stuff uh, that we've gotten from the first week. So obviously injuries are always, you know, a big question. People want to know who's out there, who's practicing, who's not, who's got big injuries, you know, who's got, you know, just some little bumps and bruises. So we talked to Jonathan Smith after day one, and he said right off the bat, there are no major injuries on this team right now, which is huge because, it's not always a given that you enter camp without a big injury. I think back to last year, found out that Ben Goldbranson wasn't going to be able to play because he had a a shoulder injury in the spring that we didn't find out about until August. So I think it's big that this team enters camp without any big injuries. It's it it stinks to to predict this, but it's pretty much a given that something will happen throughout camp. Um, But the fact that, you know, right now they're starting with a a clean slate, I, I think is important. Three guys are limited, though, as they work back from injuries. Isaac Hodgins hasn't gone full yet as he works back from a foot injury, but I know that the staff expects him to be back this year. Same with Alton Julian, recovering from his ACL tear uh, that he suffered midway through last year. And then uh, Coach Smith also pointed to Taliesa Fuaga on the offensive line as somebody who has not gone full yet.
1: And then we saw – it was interesting because we saw Makaya Tong was in an orange jersey yesterday – um, there were two orange jerseys. And I can't remember who the other one was. It was, um, but both of them went. I mean, there was very limited seven on and eleven on eleven. Um, both went, so um, it was just more of a non-contact, don't hit them hard. But they they did go um, full board. But that, I, I think the Isaac Hodgins ones. I'm watching just because it's been so long since he's played. Um, I'm anxious to see if he gets back out there. But from everything I've heard about Fuaga, he should be good to go. Um, it's just more precautionary.
0: Yeah, and another point there with Hodgins is, you know, foot injuries are always really tough to come back from, especially when you're a big guy like Hodgins, yeah. you know, a defensive lineman, there's a lot of weight on that foot. So
1: Well, he just had that setback. So he was actually, yeah. I think, doing better and then rebroke it, from what I understand. So and that exactly. I mean, that was in the winter, but um that's that was kind of the the downside on that. And you can't mess with foot injuries because remember I was in a boot spring camp. That's true. But feet break or Broken feet are not fun.
0: We've got a couple of questions coming in the YouTube chat. Thanks to everyone for watching us live right now. Um, we are crushing the numbers on YouTube right now. Angie and I are, are really emphasizing that this camp, we want to provide, uh, you know, videos of, of interviews that we do with players and coaches, uh, some instant reactions from fall camp. And then of course the damn podcast. So if you're not subscribed to our YouTube page, do so now so you never miss any of our great content from Fall Camp, but to those questions that are coming in, we're going to run through uh, kind of a position by position look of, of what we've seen through the first four days, and we might touch on some of the uh, some of the questions that are coming up in that section. But if we don't, we'll come back and and hit on some of those. But keep them coming. If if something comes up that you want us to to get to, um, be sure to leave that in the in the YouTube chat, and we'll touch on it. But Angie, let's start with the quarterbacks because obviously it's, it's the most important position on the field. It's the one that generates the most hype. Uh, and I, I think, you know, this year there's an element of competition once again. So yeah. tell me what, uh, what you saw day one and day four. Cause I, I think it was pretty much the same thing that I saw on, on one, two and three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Coach Smith is telling everybody it's, it's not decided who the quarterback will be. You have two guys in, uh, Tristan Jebia and Chance Nolan with starting experience, but, Carter, we've seen every single day uh, it's Chance Nolan going with the first team exclusively. So um, I, I, I'm not going out on too much of a limb to say right now it's Chance Chance Nolan is is QB1. Um, but what we are seeing is, is Ben Goldbranson and um, Tristan Jebia kind of battling in the two spot. Earlier in the week, we kind of saw Tristan taking more of those first reps with the second team. On Saturday, I saw more Ben taking the first kind of the first shot with that second team. But um Chance has definitely been working on the deep ball, and I think you can you can talk to that. He actually threw a pretty nice nice deep ball to end practice, and it was picked off by Rajon Wright yesterday. So um, not exactly how you want it to turn out, but definitely you can tell he's been working on it.
0: Yeah, the spiral's tighter, and I don't necessarily know that the consistency is quite where you and yeah. I would hope to see it yet, but when he does throw it and when he does connect, it looks a lot better than it used to. So I think there <laughs> is some look like improvement
1: there. like he's just pucking it up in the air. Right,
0: yeah. And and another thing, too, is, you know, not just with the deep ball, but I think he's improving on his checkdowns, too, yeah. because in the past we've seen him kind of default to taking off and, and running with it. Um, but now I I feel like he's really, and I don't know, this could be by design, obviously, yeah. but um, it seems that he's trusting his his receivers more, and, you know, I've seen him check it down to, to running backs, too. So... Uh, developing that element of his game too, I think will help avoid uh, negative plays. But it is uh, Nolan in in the driver's seat right now in this quarterback competition. I, I don't even really know how much of a competition it is. Like you said, yeah. Smith yeah. Smith is is saying that it is, but until anybody that's not named Chance Nolan takes a rep with the first team group, I think it's it's just clearly Nolan's job behind that. Has- behind that, that's still to be determined. Yeah. Um, but right now it's,
1: it's just that ability to run and, and Mm -hmm. the other guys just don't have that mobility, you know, and, and we saw, I saw it Saturday where he, you know, broken play, the check down was gone and he, he took off with it. So, um, it's something that the other guys don't have quite as, as strong.
0: Yeah. And it's not like those Mm -hmm. other two guys are, you know, just pocket passers and whatever. I mean, I've seen Goldbranson scramble with it, get to the sideline, pick a couple of yards and we know what jebbia can do yeah um but it is just you know nolan has an element there that the others don't have that i think elevates him above them even if a guy like ben Goldranson has a better deep ball or tristan jebbia is more consistent on his mid range throws i think just the the dynamic offensive playmaking ability that nolan has elevates him even uh you know in the face of some of his shortcomings
1: and and talking to players i mean it's off the record, I've talked to several players and, and they kind of all agree that it's, it's chance, it's chances job to lose.
0: Let's move to the running back position. And and this is one of many very deep, very talented groups. Uh, we're going to touch on here. Just how many guys have taken reps Seriously. at this position. Um, Angie, you and I have both talked about Damian Martinez quite a bit this year, ever since we saw him in the spring as a true freshman. Um, He's continued to take reps in in the fall, but I don't think it would be fair to pick one guy out of this group right now and say, yeah, we feel really confident about this individual leading the team in carries or, you know, becoming the next great in the line of, you know, Oregon state backs. They all have that potential, but that's the problem. Uh, There are four guys who have that potential.
1: Seriously, Carter. I mean, you know how high I've been on Damian Martinez since the spring. Um, but. But now we we've, we've watched four days of fall camp, and I'll tell you what I mean. Deshawn Fenwick, there's there's Jam Griffin, a new a newcomer um, that came in from Georgia Tech. He's been seeing time, and I'll tell you, and I this surprises me that I'm going to say this, not because I didn't think he had it in him, but you know who I've been totally blown away with is Trey Lowe. Yep. I, I honestly think he's well, and and they to be fair, they haven't done a ton of running, but um, just watching him receiving out of the backfield and and blocking, I. Trey has had a very very good couple days of camp
0: yeah I, I think he's had one of the better off seasons of anybody on this team just you take what he did at the end of last year and then look at what he did in spring camp uh I I think really elevating his game and and you know kind of establishing himself as maybe not necessarily a front runner to take control of this job but I think what we saw in spring camp was um You know, a guy who got a lot of first team carries and took advantage of them. And I think that positions a guy really well entering the fall. And then what he's shown us so far is just, I mean, really strong receiving ability, which I think is big because as we're going to mention here in just a minute, the receiver group is a concern for the two of us. Uh, So having another option there, but then also the guy makes a contribution on special teams. You know, he's been out there with the the returners every day. Uh, I expect him to have a role there. So he's a guy one that how, it, it's tough to keep off the field.
1: One how about, okay, we're going to talk about this. Another guy who can't keep off the field. We've seen a little Jack Coletto mm-hmm. running back and tight end. So um, Jack Coletto is going to be another one. That Jack yeah. Coletto drinking game is going to be intense this year.
0: <laughs> running back, fullback, <laughs> tight end, linebacker. Quarterback. punt blocker and kick returner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, uh, that's quite the portfolio. I, I don't know if, if there's really anybody else in college football that could say they play what just list six six seven positions uh pretty impressive stuff but yeah he is I mean he's taking reps everywhere and I I guess that's a fifth guy you have to throw into the mix at running back technically so
1: not yeah I mean that will be more of the the gimmicky but just somebody to keep an eye on because yeah we've been we've been seeing it
0: uh we haven't seen much running though no you know no. through the first 4 days and and that's just a product of them not being in full pads you're not going to see the linemen going at it you're not going to okay. see running backs stiff arming people to the ground just cuz they can't right now um
1: we've been seeing so, some chippiness though
0: there has been some chippiness a lot of yeah. back and forth between the receivers and defensive backs uh, which i think you know uh, that's that's a thing that happens every year but there are some big personalities in those groups, and and we can touch on this when we get to those position groups. But Tajon Lindsay continues to be one of the most vocal guys on this team, and on the other side, Rayon Wright, um, as as Oregon State fans saw on Last Chance U before he got here. Yeah, that's that's still a thing. That's still going on. Yeah. Um, but back to the running backs, we'll see more out of the running game this week once they go full on Tuesday, and then there's actually. Uh, our our first opportunity to watch a a full scrimmage a week from yesterday. So the, what would that be? The 13th?
1: 13th. Yeah. And Carter and I were just talking before we taped this that him and I might have to make a a dual appearance down there for that.
0: Yep. So that will be uh, the running game will be a a point of of focus for the two of us this week as, uh, as they start to emphasize it a little bit more, but on the flip side, what we've, been able to watch has has been a lot of passing. So the wide receiver group Angie I, I just mentioned it's a concern for both of us. Tell me why that is.
1: there's so much there's so many veteran names. I mean you can go down the list with Trashawan Harris and Tyjon Lindsay, uh, Silas Bolden, Micaiah Tung, Anthony Gould, Josiah I, I mean th- there's tons of potential there. We just haven't seen any guy step up and just grab that that position. I will say that Silas Bolden had an amazing day yesterday. Um, he hauled in, he was, had a couple huge, you know, completions. Um, but I want to see someone just really, I we don't have a go-to. I don't see Oregon State having a go-to guy that you just, a Brandon Cooks or somebody that you know is going to come down with that ball. Um, I think it's going to be a receiver by committee. I think tight ends are going to be really important. And we'll touch on that next. Um, but Carter, you and I talked about that day one, just, Kind of the the get not the lack of separation is is really concerning.
0: Yeah, and you know you don't have to have a go-to receiver. You don't have to have an Isaiah Hodgins who you know you can toss it up to and he's going to bring it in ninety-nine point eight percent of the time. But it certainly helps. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's necessarily a, it, it's not an inherent weakness because I think you know of the five or six guys that we expect to see on the field. Uh, you know, consistently, if they're all contributing, then, you know, you don't need just one guy. Um, I think actually it is somewhat of a strength of this team that they have so many guys who, um, you know, can be equal contributors. You know, some receiver groups aren't as deep in terms of guys who you're comfortable putting on the field. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, none of them have really shown particularly high ceiling. And so that's where the concern arises from.
1: I, I worried too, because I, I haven't seen from this group, really anyone that has is really good at getting separation from the DBs, And so that's, that's the one I, that's, that's what I'm going to watch. Yeah. Isn't Harrison. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Harrison started to kind of separate himself toward the end of last season, but um, I don't know if I'm ready to just anoint him as the go-to receiver quite yet. Potentially, frankly, yes. We,
0: for, frankly, he just hasn't shown it in camp. Yeah. yeah. Um, And again, you know, everything we're saying here, sample size is so small that, you know, it's very possible that Treshawn Harrison, uh, to Connor Johnson's point here, that if you're not watching on YouTube, we've flashed on the screen here. The question is, isn't Harrison the go-to? I I think he's the guy that we expect to become the leading receiver and, you know, kind of a a deep threat. Um, But But until he he shows it. So
1: Saturday, yesterday, he got chewed out. He got chewed out because he didn't run the route. He slowed up and uh, kind of jogged and missed a deep ball. And, uh, you know, the DB was right there, and Coach Henson was in his pocket all the way back to the line of scrimmage.
0: And, you can't and be doing thing, that in practice. Uh, one thing that, that Angie and I really want to see this fall is receivers consistently getting separation, because I think that has plagued Oregon State over the last handful of years. And it's the reason why Isaiah Hodgen was, was so good was because he was taller and more physical than some of the defensive backs he was going up against um, and it's you know part of the reason that guys like champ Flemings, for example i mean not to not to dog on champ Flemings or anything but you know when you when you're 5'6 150 pounds, it's a little more difficult to gain separation that's being
1: generous carter 5'6 150 i think <laughs> he was like 5'5 five, five, 135
0: Sure. Sure. We'll, we'll get, we'll. <laughs> um, but no, you know, Oregon state has a lot of smaller receivers. They don't have the six-two, three go-to targets that you see uh, in some of the more prolific passing offenses. So the key I think is just to get guys the ball because they have the after catch ability to make big plays. It's just, can they make the catch?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you look at some of the greatest to ever play at Oregon state and you're looking at Mike Cass, James Rogers, Sammy Stratter, uh Brandon Cooks, none of them were big, but they ran impeccable routes. They were able to get open, and then the yards after catch was was huge.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bolden as a standout. Yes, he was. He was, I, I think, the MVP of the spring game when he caught a yeah. couple of touchdown passes there in that, uh, that late session where they were working in the red zone. Anthony Gould also has impressed um, what he brings to the table speed-wise. I don't think that can be overlooked. And and just the fact that he contributed every time he was on the field last year. Um, I don't think he was on the field enough to be honest. And
1: yeah, I mean, we talked about that a lot last season toward the mm -hmm. end. Uh, So I I think
0: Oregon state fans will be glad to know that he is pretty firmly in the starting lineup this
1: year. Yeah. And Connor Johnson just brought up another about uh, Dunmore. John Dunmore really haven't seen much from him. Jimmy Mm -hmm. Valson, John Dunmore. Those are some guys um, they've been hanging more with the younger guys and not uh, getting the play with at, at the ones and twos.
0: And that's not to say that they can't come on throughout it, yeah. camp and, and impress. It's just, you know, through four so days. Far. We haven't seen them yet. And I think oftentimes in camp that happens. It, it takes a few days for for the younger guys to to come on. And, you know, the the, the staff defaults to. All right, we want to run with guys that we've seen before and guys that we expect to be contributors. It's later in camp that those breakouts tend to happen.
1: I mean, last year flat out, I mean, you and I talked about we thought Chance Nolan would be the odd man out quarterback. Yeah. And then the last week and a half he really, you know, stood out. So, yeah, don't just because we're not talking about a guy right now doesn't mean 2 weeks from now we won't be raving about a John Dunmore or Jimmy Valson.
0: And he does have the pedigree and some height to him and Elite speed, so I think he is a guy who could come on and and you know maybe not right away be a contributor, but but work his way up. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's I, he still has a ton of potential, and he's very young too. I think he's yeah. still a redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking in the passing game to an extent, it's only part of the role okay. of of this position we're moving to the the tight end group. Luke Musgrave is back. Oregon State loses Tegan Quatoriano to the NFL. Uh, he's off to Houston, but Luke Musgrave comes back after, um, I think, a season in which he really blossomed at the end. You know, we he he struggled a bit with his hands throughout the first, I don't know, half or so of the season. Um, but I think, you know, part of that was mental, and it seemed like he got over it at the end of the year. He had a breakout game against Oregon, caught for, he got something like six or eight passes, had a touchdown in that one and then added a few more on in the bowl game. So I think if he continues to show that level of production, Oregon State's tight end Ruben is going to be just fine. But I'm concerned a little bit about it just because of how young it is.
1: Yeah, but we saw, I, I mean, if you're looking at my, like the top three right now, I'd have to say it's Musgrave, uh, Jake Overman, and JT Byrne, which he is young. I, what is JT? Freshman? Redshirt freshman. Richard Redshirt freshman. Yeah. And Jake, Jake
0: Overman's, I think, technically a redshirt freshman, freshman, but came in for his COVID year. So yes. this will be his third year.
1: But he, but he's played. I mean, he's had some minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm not as worried about tight end. I, You know, um, they'll start off kind of blocking. And I, I do think that, I, I think J- Overman will be a little more of a blocking. Um, split him out too every once in a while. But I think really you're going to be looking for um, Luke Musgrave to be your pass-catching tight end. And uh, like you said, I'm I'm just fingers crossed that he continues the trend that we saw at the end of the season and not what we saw at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not like terribly concerned about this group or anything. I just think that, you know, what you had last year, you had a known commodity in Tegan Quatoriano. You knew he was going to be one of the best blockers in the conference. You knew he was going to be a receiving threat this year. It's all about all right, we're expecting somebody yes, to step up. Yes. And, and that's where the concern arises because that's not a given. Yeah. Um, it's not a given that Musgrave performs to the level that we saw in a three game sample size out of the first three years of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, the potential is there. And if I had to bet on it, I would say it probably will come to fruition. I mean, look at the look at the caliber of athlete Oregon State's recruited at the tight end position the last three years. They've really emphasized it. There's a reason there's like six or eight redshirt freshmen on this roster yeah. uh, at that position group. It's got talent. It's just a matter of, all right, we got to pinpoint which guy, which two, three guys are going to step up and, you know, translate that um, on, on the field come game day. Another question comes in. Uh, so Tommy Spencer's move to tackle confirmed. The answer is yes. And that's that a was good confirmed segue. in the
1: spring. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good segue into the offensive line group, which again, just like, just like running back and, and just like another couple of groups that we're going to touch on here in a minute, really, really strong. Yeah. Um, I, I think becoming deeper and just full of high level talent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, I, I know I've said this on the podcast. I've said that in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. I, I kind of have a ton of, I, I just kind of let coach Mahalachuk do his thing. I, I trust who he's recruiting. I trust what he's doing. Um, really no question. I mean, he's, he's getting talent there and he develops the talent um, new, new tackle with love good, which that'll be something to watch, but so far so good. What we've seen. Sorry. Yeah. There's a beef and liner on me.
0: It's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to gauge what the offensive line fully looks like until again, they go full and, you know, they've got the they've got all their pads on and they're running the ball more and, you know, doing a little bit more 11 on 11 work. So, again, some of these positions, it's like we really can't get a good read on it until week two, three, four of camp. Um, once they have started to work a little bit more in their more scrimmage like um, situations.
1: But, but Tommy of- Tommy Spencer's been playing second team left tackle for the most part early on here. So you know, his was a story of he he got to school and put on more weight than he needed at tight end. And so there was a need at tackle. So they said, let's let's move you over there. And that's where he's finding a home and it, it looks to be paying off for him.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the concerns that the coaching staff had, and, and not necessarily a concern, but kind of a point they wanted to focus on and improve upon throughout the offseason was depth on the offensive line and to their credit they went out into the transfer portal the juco ranks and they brought in a couple of guys who can help with that one of them being uh campbell McHarg who i believe transferred from sacramento state mm-hmm. um who came in in time for spring camp got a little bit of run and now he is like firmly entrenched in the second group so just an, an example of to your point about moholacek um pinpointing somebody who can come in and, and play right away pinpointing other guys on the recruiting trail who, you know, might need a year or two to uh, to bulk up, but are going to be contributors down the line. Tyler Moreno is somebody who fits that that mold of a guy who, you know, takes a little bit of development yeah. time, but then comes in and, and kind of just blossoms out of nowhere. He's actually taken some first team reps at tackle, Oh, with Talia Safuaga out, a guy when who I, saw him I think into, really came out of nowhere for us.
1: Yeah, I, I thought he was going to be too small. I thought it would take too long to get the weight on him, but he really has. He's really come on strong, worked hard in the off seasons, putting on the weight. Um, and you guys, that's not, it's not easy. I mean, for these guys to put on the amount of good weight they need to put on, um, it's its not an easy task. And so um, hats off to these guys that can do it.
0: Hanelli Bloomfield is also healthy now. Yes, he's healthy uh, and playing. He missed all of last year with an injury. Of course, transfer from Utah State, who has playing experience at the FBS level. So uh, getting him into the two deep helps the uh, helps the depth there. Tanner Miller at center has been a, a special teams guy, continues to work there. I'm still waiting to see Dylan Lopez, the true freshman. Yeah. You and I both projected him to be the backup center. We haven't seen it yet. Um, but again, to, to kind of echo what we said about John Dunmore, those breakouts and some of those freshmen stepping up, Oftentimes that happens later
1: on in camp. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the freshmen are getting some, it's, it's hard to throw the true freshmen in the mix with all the veterans. Cause they may maybe don't know the playbook quite as well. So typically what happens when they go seven on seven or 11 on 11, we'll have that, you know, the two practice fields, the young guys are on the far practice field. We can't see what's going on over there, but then the coaches can watch the film and as they see guys flash, they will bring them over and, and let them try their, their hand over with the, with the vet. So, um, it's never a done deal, um, especially well, even through the season, but give it a couple weeks. Like I said, this, this conversation is going to, I think, take some twists and turns over the next couple weeks for sure.
0: We're going to touch on the defensive side of the ball in just a moment, but first we got to remind you that you can take 50% off an annual subscription to beaverblitz.com. If you take advantage of our promo right now through the end of the day on Monday, August 8th, Angie, tell them a little bit more about why they should do so.
1: off an annual subscription gets you into the lodge. It gets you access to all the 24 seven sites. So um, 24 seven sports is the leading for all the PAC 12 sites. Um, You can read up all your competition, but honestly, you get to read Carter's. Carter's great work. You get to read what I write. Peter, Peter Osborne's trench reports are worth price of admission. Um, JP's baseball coverage Raju Woodward. It's just a great community. We are the number one independent source for Oregon State athletics and have been around since 2002. So um, gosh, I'm like the old timer now at at media, but um, definitely join us. We have a great community of of fans, uh, family members, and uh, a lot of great insights. So join now and save some money.
0: And if you want to read about all of the improvement Oregon State is making on the defensive side of the ball, just another reason to do so. We're going to tell you a little bit about that improvement right now as we get started with the defensive line, which again, this is one of the the three toughest groups to gauge until they go full. So we don't have a huge read on it yet, but I do know that that one player stood out to both of us on day one, and that's James Rawls, um, who I, I think was one of the unsung heroes of, of last year. I think he was a little bit overshadowed by Especially what Especially toward the end
1: of the year. It. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Keontae Shad at, you know, on the defensive line was, um, speaking of guys who came on at the end of the year, um, he, he was the standout of that group last year, but Rawls was right there with, uh, with him as far as tackles for loss. Um, he was pretty productive and, you know, wasn't necessarily a starter, but still came in and and was one of the, the leading tacklers in that group. Um, what he did on day one was he got some pocket pressure, uh, forced Chance Nolan out of the pocket, um, got him to check it down. And that right there is a great indication of what I think we can expect to see a little bit more from this Trent Bray led defense that's going to be a little more aggressive, um, going to let players loose a little bit, not be all about containment, um, but more focus on getting as many guys into the backfield as possible. Um, so, Angie, how much do you think? we're going to see the defensive line take a step forward because of that. And, and how much have you seen it in the couple of days of practice that you've seen?
1: Yeah. Like you said, it's hard to gauge right now just because they aren't going live. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. They'll take another big step. Um, I still wish there was a little more help on the defensive front um, as far as tackles yep. go. Um, but we, I mean, so Thomas Seo and Cody Anderson have kind of been splitting time with the first team there at tackle, but I, I think we see a lot more pressure from the outside linebackers. So you're going to have um, Ryan Frankie. John McCartan is back healthy and looking. I, I mean, he looks in probably the best shape of, that I've seen him since he's been in Corvallis. So you have him add it to the mix, Cor- mix. Corey Stover is is right in there. Um, Chatfield is one. Andrew Chatfield is one that we keep he- ask, hearing about. We did see some of him running with the twos uh, on Saturday. He's, he's kind of stepping in there. One that we're definitely watching and keeping an eye out for. Um, so I, I think that pressure is going to be seen and that's going to help the unit as a whole. But like you said, James Rawls totally stood out the first first week of practice.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you, you kind of lump the, the D line and the, the yeah, linebackers of... there together. And I, I think that's fair because this Oregon State defense in years past and I think moving forward under under Bray's direction is really going to combine those groups Uh, to make the most out of the the pass rush. Oregon State hasn't and and probably won't for a while have many elite guys that just, you know, themselves getting into the backfield. Hamaker Rashid was the last guy to do it, and I think we project Kelsey Howard when he gets here to be one of those guys. Um, But until they find one of them and and put them on the field, it is kind of a committee approach of saying, all right, well, we don't have one guy who can do it, so we're just going to send three. And one of them will get to the quarterback. Um, But on the defensive line, before we really fully dive in to the linebackers, we got a question come in about Quincy Wright, true freshman out of Duncanville, Texas. Um, I guess he would have had, what, one year of high school with former Beaver Zariah Beeson down there. Uh, One of those guys who, again, is, is practicing on the far field yeah. So we don't really get to see him much. Um, that's where all those young his, guys are.
1: From what I've heard with him, it's, it's really a matter of just learning the playbook and really kind of digging in and, and getting to know it. Um, good size, um, but adding some strength will be important for him. And then, like I said, just buckling down and learning the playbook is going to be his, his biggest thing.
0: Yep. Two other players we've been asked about, Matthias Malachi Donaldson and Joe Golden. So uh, Matthias is... Technically an outside linebacker, but I think we'll see him kind of be one of those hybrid guys uh, like Rashid was a couple of years ago yeah. where, you know, he's he's a linebacker, but they might put him on the line every now and then just because, you know, he's a big guy, um, predominantly an, an edge rusher. Joe Golden has actually cracked my two deep. Yeah. Um, he came in right away and, and was running with the twos. Uh, again, you know, we haven't really seen defensive line and make a ton of plays yet. Uh, so it's hard to really judge what he's going to bring to the table. But at the very least, he's another depth addition, which yeah. obviously is big at, at that position.
1: And I think we see a, another um, you know, D-line by committee. It's going to be a heavy rotation, a lot of guys in and out, uh, a lot of fresh bodies constantly coming in and out. And I think what we're going to see from Trent Bray is a lot of different blitz packages. We're going to see guys rushing from linebacker, from DB, from the end, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot more fun than what we've seen in the past.
0: Trent Bray, obviously still coaching the linebackers in addition to leading the entire defense as the coordinator there. So uh, continuity in the linebacker group, which is big because it's been one of Oregon state's best positions since Bray took over uh, as the position coach there. now five years ago, uh, we entered the, the fifth year of, of this staff under Jonathan Smith, and one of the constants, like I said, is, is just very strong linebacker play. And it starts in the middle. This year, Omar Spates is back. He's been one of the most productive guys on the roster. I think we're going to see him more fully unleashed this year. I think we'll get to see him make more plays at and behind the line of scrimmage, which is really going to unlock a whole lot of uh, opportunity and, and potential for him. Next to him, Kyrie Fisher has been the guy, but we've seen a lot of Easton Mascarenas so far, and he's somebody that Angie is really high on. I'm high on him too. Um, it's just a matter of can they get him on the field, and I, I think we will see him on the field. Um, I just, you know, again, we haven't seen enough of him live to, to see what he's going to bring this year.
1: Yeah, John Miller's another one. I mean, there's a lot right there, um, and I, you know what I'm really am excited to see is the leadership now coming from Omar Spates. For a while, he's been super quiet. He didn't like talking with the media. And on Friday, I think it was Friday, he talked with you, you yeah. guys in the media and just seeing the maturity coming from him. Um, and I think he's finally really embracing the fact that he's a vet and he is going to be the leader on this defense. He doesn't have Avery anymore um, and it's going to be him. And he, I think he's really starting to embrace it. And it, it's fun to see that um, that growth from him.
0: Yeah, he's coming out of his shell a little bit, which is yeah. great to see. Um, a little more need, talkative.
1: Yeah, they need him to be a vocal leader, though, on the field as well. So, um, I think for a while he was kind of quiet, lead by example, and and I think, I think the coaching staff has said we need you to step up and and be more vocal. And I think he's embracing that.
0: Yep, hundred percent. Bray said, you know, we're we're tasking him, we're challenging him to to be more of a leader. Spates himself, you know, I asked him, what does that look like for you? And it's, yeah. he said, you know, it's. It's talking during uh, during the film. It's it's being vocal on the field and and picking out you know you know t- recognizing that X Y Z player needs to do this thing and telling them that. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's making a point of emphasis of doing it. He's also one of about ten guys who is rocking orange hair during yeah. fall camp. If you want to hear more about uh, that whole thing, you can go to the video that we have posted on our YouTube page. Um. In which we interview Coach Bray, Omar Spates, and Jaden Grant. Those two players both have orange hair, and it is awesome. It is so awesome. Big thing that's going around this team right now. And I would imagine, I mean, I don't know how long ago they started it, but I don't know. Maybe it catches on a little bit more. Maybe it becomes. Akili
1: Arnold and Omar Spates, though, have the best because it is full on orange. orange. Yeah. Jaden's got some tips going, and, you know, but no, it's like manic panic orange. Yeah.
0: At the outside linebacker position, Angie mentioned a couple of guys already. Ryan Frankie and um,
1: John McCartan, Corey Stover are
0: two guys who are really ready to take that next step and, and become full-time contributors. John McCartan uh, has been a standout for me as, as somebody who's just a, a physical beast. I mean, he's <laughs> huge. And it's so good for this defense to have him back and fully healthy because he was one of the top contributors in that pass rush when he was healthy a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, look top to bottom. I know we're going to probably jump into DBs and that's even more veteran, but I, I think the biggest thing for me is looking at this defense, especially because they've taken their lumps. They've taken a, lo- a lot of growing pains, but you're five now with this staff, lots of veterans that know the system, um, know what's expected of them, know what they're trying to accomplish. And I, I love where this defense sits right now.
0: Andrew Chatfield is one more guy that I want to hit on before we go to the defensive backfield. Um, Somebody who came into Oregon state with a lot of potential, uh, a lot of hype, obviously being a contributor at Florida down in the sec came out, stood out on the scout team last year and immediately is, is running with the ones and twos this year in camp. I'm really excited to see him fully unleashed once they put pads on this week and, um, I, I just think he's going to create so much havoc and, yeah. and potentially be one of those guys that, that I said, Oregon state, you know, hadn't really identified since Rashid left as, as a go-to guy who can get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. Moving into the secondary, our, uh, our penultimate group here, as we run through uh, every position on the roster, I, I think fair to say this is the best group on this team right now, um, again i I think the offensive line has that potential obviously it was last year but right now from what we've from what we've gotten a chance to see the group that's making the most plays has been the secondary it's like every day it's another one two three interceptions and live drills um it's one of like five to six different guys who are doing it too there's just incredible depth so much rotation and, and so many guys that you feel comfortable saying Oh, yeah, that's an all conference guy. Huh. And I think there are more all conference players in that group than there are starting
1: spots. Well, that's just it. I mean, and we haven't even seen much of Alton Julian yet, who yeah. I thought before his injury was playing as good as I've seen him play. I thought he finally took that step and wasn't, didn't look like he was shying away from contact. But gosh, I mean, and Ray Wright, but I'll tell you what, I mean, new, newcomers. I mean, Ron Harge had a great day the other day, not a newcomer, but, um, we, we've seen Katano uh, Ladapo. He's looking better than we saw him even last year. So, yeah. so many guys, like you said. And then Jaden Grant's moving to safety, um, which I, I feel is a more natural position for him. Um, again, I mean, he's making plays. And watching Jaden play some first and second team there, just to kind of see the best. Akilly Arnold, I, I, you can, like you said, I mean, you could probably throw seven guys out there and feel comfortable with any of the, the seven.
0: And here's another guy, Ryan Cooper Jr., who comes in as... Uh, The first junior college guy to commit to last year's class. Mm -hmm. Um, He is he's a defensive back, but he's he's mostly lining up at the nickel spot, which I think Oregon State is still going to commit itself to a decent amount. And I mean, you might as well, because it gives you an excuse to put a fifth guy back there. And, you know, you have like eight, nine, ten guys who could play. Um, So, yeah, it's it's been cool to see somebody right away just, you know, immediately first team group. Um, And then Jaden Robinson's
1: back now too. And remember before he got injured last year in fall camp, he was probably the standout of the group. You know, he's made some great plays just just this week as well. So I don't know, Carter, I I don't know how you pick a starting four or five there.
0: I don't either. And I think particularly at the safety position, because with Jaden Grant moving there, he's pretty much exclusively gone at safety so far in camp. You're looking at Jaden Grant, and Katano Ladapo, who are, I, I mean, just elite. I, I think those are just elite players. Alton Julian will be healthy at some point this fall. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I, he's one of the best defenders on the team. Yeah. So you can't yeah. keep him yeah. out of there. Akili Arnold has played very well when he's been given the opportunity. Um, he was a contributor as a as a freshman and really hasn't slowed down. There's four guys right there at the safety position, which only has two spots. So mm-hmm. I don't even know how you begin to address that, but it's a great problem to have.
1: Yes. And I, I, I like I said earlier, I think just that veteran nest of the group and knowing, um, they they're playing with some swagger too. It's, it's fun to watch the, they're, they're playing a little bit with that Trent Bray hair on fire mentality with a little bit of the, the coach blue swagger.
0: Yeah. It's, it really is fun to watch. And again, like I said, it's, it's every day there's somebody making a standout play. Um, I wrote in our notes here just simply elite. That's yes. how I would describe yeah. this group. Finally, the special teams. We're not gonna spend too much time here. Um, but we have seen all three kickers on the roster: Everett Hayes, Atticus Sappington, and Josh McCormick take reps. They all look pretty solid. It's Hayes' job. Yeah. There's really not much to to say there other than, you know, you want to see a little bit of improvement, but Hayes has that pretty much locked down both of the punters i've i've been you know writing down punt yardages every time they take a rep around 45 yards per punt which is <laughs> like about as elite as it yeah. gets and that's what you expect from luke Losher, who set the single season record last year at oregon state i think it was around 43 yards per punt yeah. in the return game silas bolden trey low trey harrison and anthony gould are the four guys there um they'll keep rotating through it's anyone's guess which one of those will emerge as the primary guy, but they all have a ton of speed. So I think you have to be pretty comfortable with just about any of them. Angie, let's talk about, uh, well, we got to, we got to kick this into gear here. We got 10 minutes left. Uh, I, I want to touch on some of our takeaways from the interviews that we've done this week, because you and I both talked to Jonathan Smith on day one. And then I talked to offensive coordinator, Brian Lindgren, running back to Sean Fenwick, offensive lineman, Jake Levengood on Thursday. And then on Friday, we got the defensive guys that I just mentioned in Bray, Spates, and Grant. Angie, from you know, the questions you asked Smith and and what you watched in, in the videos that I uploaded to you, our YouTube page uh, with the other guys, anything stand out to you from from what those guys are saying one weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all pretty much coach speak from the coaches. Um, I, I, anytime we get a chance to talk to the student athletes, I love it because it's it's always insightful I think to just hear their thoughts Um, I think the defensive players are in a roundabout way kind of they don't want to dog on their past D coordinator but they're very very positive about the things they're saying about their new defensive coordinator Um, and just the positivity I mean if you if you haven't listened if you don't take the time to just listen to these young men you're you're missing out you're missing so much I mean Jaden Grant is just a joy to listen to um, talking about I mean their goal is to win the Pac-12 championship this year and that's I mean um, at some point, it was actually kind of funny. I think it was John Warren asked what his thoughts were on USC and UCLA leaving. And he kind of just stopped and looked at him and goes, I, I don't care about that. Next question. Yeah, he <laughs> goes, like, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. Over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're talking about us. And that's yeah. what, you know, the focus. Um, Seventh Bray, year
0: guy, too, by the way. Yeah, just in- incredible that's- that this guy's been on campus for seven years
1: now. It's, but you know I, love and good was a great interview. Yeah. Um, sometimes the O line they're just not as polished when it's coming when it comes to talking to the media just because they're not used to it because it's usually the skill guys that are getting recruited and talked to by all the media. Um, I thought love and good was was solid. He was a
0: little nervous to do it. A little it,
1: nervous. I, most these guys I, I, do. Thought he,
0: I thought he really did well. I mean, for the, that's the first time I think we've interviewed him, and, and I don't he think was any awesome. of
1: us are that you know intimidating. But yeah, I mean, they they figure out that we're not so bad after they they talk to us. But um, actually, I love talking to all the Smith. I think can be a little too much coach speak. But I think Lindgren. I think all the other coaches do a great job. And um, you always, like I said, if you're not watching the videos, you're missing. They're usually anywhere from two to five minutes, and you can pick up all kinds of just even the nuances on how they answer a question.
0: Yeah. It's a, a great way to kind of get some insight into these kids personalities too, yeah. because they're put on the spot oftentimes yeah. and it's, how are you reacting to a question that, you know, either is tough or makes you uncomfortable or you weren't expecting um, or, you know, gets a laugh out of them. It's, it's fun to, it's always fun to talk to those guys. Yeah. And, and some of them are are just, I mean, awesome. With Amazing. The, yeah. I, I am already counting down the days to when we get to talk to Brandon Kipper again.
1: Brandon Kipper's awesome. Yes. He, like I said, I mean, Jaden Grant is always fun. Um, Jaden Robinson. I mean, but then again, it's, it's fun too for like you and I, cause we talk to these guys when they're recruits too. So we've gotten to know them a, maybe a little more than some of the other members of the media. And, um, we can joke around with them a little bit.
0: We've got a couple more minutes here, but first, before we touch on some recruiting notes, which I know is, is always a big topic this time of year. One last time, I want to remind everybody, we have a great deal at beaverblitz.com right now. You can take 50% off an annual subscription. That's a new annual subscription. That's an upgrade an, an upgrade from the one you've already got. This is available to everyone. Seriously, one of the best deals we're going to have all year. Great opportunity to do it now to make sure that you don't miss any of our content throughout fall camp because a lot of that is behind the paywall and some of it will continue to be throughout the regular season. Last segment before we get out of here on this Sunday evening, recruiting. 14 commitments in this 2023 class for Oregon State right now. It puts them at number number 55 nationally and eighth in the Pac-12. I think we expect that number to go up a little bit as they start to bring in some more guys as a couple of their commits um, pick up rankings. You know, Two of them don't have uh, 24-7 composite rankings yet. I think that ranking will get a little bit higher. Angie, take us through who committed in July and who you think could be next.
1: So we are in a dead period right now. So there are no visits going on right now. Um, I, I kept my eyes open yesterday just to see if anybody was around, but I was reminded then it was it was dead period. Um, big, big month of July for Oregon State. Kelsey Howard is, is the headliner there, the defensive end from Las Vegas. Four-star, consensus four-star. Um, huge. And you know what I love about Kelsey, too, is just his – he is he's got some swagger. He's going to mm. be bringing a little Hollywood to uh, to Oregon State. So it's fun. Montreal Hatton, wide receiver, uh, Andre Piper Jordan out of Washington State. And Andre could actually he's on he's on four star watch with 24 um, seven. So look I think for Hatton him. might be too. Hatton might be as well. Yeah. So I just I know when I spoke with um, Brandon Huffman about Piper Jordan, that that is a four star watch. Um, not another one that 24 seven is watching closely is the quarterback childs. Um, He did not commit in July, but that he, he could also get a little bump, you know, depending on how his season goes. But I think you just have to be super excited. I mean, Thomas Collins, um, a defensive lineman out of Sweden, just not a lot to, to go off of to rate him. Will Lee is a, is a DB out of St. Louis. He is still taking some trips though. So, Um, I would say his commitment is about as soft as it gets. He was just recently at Kansas State. Um, And, you know, sometimes these guys just need to see things. Typically, Coach Smith and his staff don't want a guy to commit until they know they're solid and shutting things down. But um, with Will, they did know that he wanted to check out Kansas State. Um, So just kind of keep an eye on him. But honestly, out of that whole group, he's the one I'd be least concerned losing. So, um, you know, if you're going to lose somebody – not that I ever want to see the Beavs lose one of their top guys, but um, I think they've done well um, with, with things. But I guess if I'm, if I'm watching, if if you're going to keep your eyes on somebody, Isaiah Chisholm out of West side or um, Westlake Chaminade um, linebacker, highly ranked three-star. I think he's ranked 88 right now, has an 88. Um, Definitely one to watch. I I put a crystal ball in for him. So um, definitely one I'm keeping an eye on. I don't know when he's set to uh, decide, but, Definitely one I'm I'm watching closely,
0: and two other guys that round out the the July group of commitments: Testy and and Jalen O'Neal for a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I believe if I counted correctly, eight commitments. Seven eight,
1: and and Jalen O'Neal. So if you follow him on Twitter, it's Jalen Redhead O'Neal, and he has like the tips kind of like Jalen does with red. I want to see if he's going to change it up to orange too.
0: I guess we'll have to wait and see. It's a reminder that, you know, none of these guys are on campus yet as much as we wish they were, because can you imagine this defense with a Kelsey Howard type? Could you imagine the quarterback competition with a potential four-star guy and Aiden Childs out there running with those guys? Uh, Fun to watch. And I think what Montrell Hatton can bring to the offense very early in his career is exciting. Um, good to see Oregon State get out there and, and recruit a wide receiver because one thing that you and I mentioned, part of why we're concerned about this receiver group is it lost three starters from yeah. a year ago and literally didn't bring a single person in. Yeah, There's no prep guys, no Juco guys, no transfer portal. Yeah. So Montreal Hatton will be one of the first receivers um, to come onto this campus in two years when, yeah. when he gets here, assuming he signs. For the most part, everyone that commits to Oregon State under John, Jonathan Smith' watch does sign. Uh, Thomas Collins, a, a quick tidbit on him: the last defensive lineman to come to Oregon State from Sweden. Simon Sandberg, Simon Sandberg I'd say that turned out pretty well. So good track record there, Angie. I think that's going to do it for for this first weekly damn podcast of the this. season.
1: We're back, and then. Keep an eye if you're on Twitter keep an eye because we did our first Twitter space yeah. on Thursday. It was super fun so I think we might have to do another one of those midweek kind of like our old Beaver Blitz chat days but um, keep an eye out if you're on Twitter for that. We're just coming at you in every d- different direction here.
0: Yep we're taking the uh, the full steam ahead approach right yeah. now as, as fall camp starts. Uh, we're going full steam right now this is we're not, we're not letting up for about five months We, we are in the season. For all intents and purposes yeah. so uh be sure to stick with beaverblitz.com throughout fall camp we are the number one source for in-depth coverage analysis uh we've got videos up on our youtube page be sure to subscribe if you haven't done that you can follow us on twitter at carter baines and at angie machado one and this week we'll be back in corvallis for another week of fall camp they'll be going full pads so Rimage on saturday It's going to be a full lodge notebook at Beaver Blitz over the next few days. Stick with us. We're going to be back on the damn podcast again next week, next Sunday, as we do this every week now from now until the end of the season. Angie, thanks for joining me, and uh, I'll see you in Corvallis this week.
1: Let's do it.